And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and Mind Baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mind Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the J.K.R. Podcast. Today we have five-star National Midwest and Cub Scout team manager Jerry Cohen on the J.K.R. Podcast. Jerry, super pumped to get you on the show. How are you doing today? Phenomenal. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's sure enjoyable to watch what you've done and how the how your uh, how your brand has grown. And uh, excited to be here. Well, I appreciate that. And again, you know, thanks for coming on the show. But before we dig into Five Star, before we dig into the Cub Scout team, your coaching career in general, I got one question I like to ask everybody that gets on the J Care podcast. And that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Coach Jerry Cohen? I would say that I'm a competitive guy, uh, fatherly, um, and a teacher. I would say those are the things that kind of describe my life, or I hope someone will describe my life doing those at the best of my ability. Um, and all that kind of derives from my love and passion for baseball and how it's taught me all the things that it has about my life, whether it be in business, my, my wife who I've been married to for over 30 years, and my children um, who I'm super proud of that are, I have 25 year old triplets. Um, and so just uh, being involved in the game and then competitive and life and business, all of it all kind of blends together for me. Okay, so I kind of want to dig to start it off. I kind of want to dig into your baseball upbringing before we started recording. I know you said you're from California, so kind of take us through 
maybe you know your baseball yeah. career where that passion for baseball yeah. comes from so kind i grew of, oh, sorry go uh, ahead no that's okay no sorry i grew up in southern california i went to an all-boys catholic high school called damien high school it's in laverne california pretty big baseball school lots of big names out of there mark mcguire's from there i've got several major league guys from there uh, nick ladolo kid i coach now with the reds is from there so we uh so i so i grew up there um i uh, played america back then we didn't have travel baseball so we played american legion baseball i'm pretty old so um and did that circuit and won a, st a state championship in california with america claremont american legion that was kind of fun and then um and then went on and and started my career down at the university of san diego playing for a guy named john cunningham with the Toreros and, and had it, had a, had a, a decent career down there and enjoyed it. And then obviously was not a pro caliber guy, um, needed to get on with my life and then, uh, kind of jumped into business. I was a CPA by trade accounting guy, jumped into business. And then it was probably five to six years. I coached some high school and some college at some small college. And then five, six years, I kind of took off, got my career going. And then I got back into it. My kids were born, um, started coaching again. And then, kind of grew up from there coaching in travel ball organizations on the West coast and kind of ran about two or three of them as I, as I went through that career. Okay. So it sounds like you kind of became a baseball coach kind of pretty much right after your baseball career came to an end. I so, did. I did. Yeah. So what was that transition going from playing to kind of flipping it over, flipping that switch right away, actually instructing, actually teaching and actually just teaching the game of baseball. You know, what was that transition like going from playing to instructing the game? Yeah, I think I think in general, you want to stay competitive in everything that you do in life. And it just became, OK, well, I'm not probably good enough any longer. They kind of the game kind of lets you know, <laughs> right? Hey, uh, it tells you, right? The market speaks for itself. So, you know, and it's time it's over. I, I still remember my last game that I played. But um, when it when it's over, it's over. And then you got to turn the page and you move on and you get into coaching and and just being around the game and the kids and the players like I just enjoy that camaraderie. So it was uh, it was an easy transition for me, I thought. And just, you know, trying to at least the kids get so much more instruction today than we did as kids that the, the level of training is just at a different level now. But just trying to implement the things that you learned at a higher level of baseball that you didn't know when you were young, that you're able to get to young kids and be able to help them in that transition is nice. So so you said you were able to coach there for a couple of years. You took a couple of year break. Then when your kids were born, actually got back into the game of coaching. You know, was right. there when you are going back into the game of baseball, was there a difference at all from maybe those years previous that you were coaching as well? Sure. I mean, in general, I thought, you know, especially, you know, in Southern California, I felt like the game had gotten the, the, the mantra had gotten softer. I thought the game had gotten softer, like the approach in some good ways and some bad ways. But I think that that changed and learning how to deal more with parents and things like that. I can remember, I don't know that my dad ever talked to any of my coaches, right? And, and, and then I think that became a scenario where it changed and evolved and people were more actively engaged in their kids' activities. Um, so that that was an adjustment and a change. But I think once you establish credibility on understanding the game and understanding that, that your interests lie in them, their child becoming a better player, I think a lot of those walls come down and you're able to kind of really engage with, with the kids and, and, and help them. Yeah. So, so you talk about how baseball evolved there early on in your career, but now you were a couple of years later beyond that. How have you seen baseball in general, travel baseball, I know has taken a big step up from you know years past. Take us through just how you've seen baseball evolve from what was it, 20, 25 years ago when you started coaching all the way up to where we are now. How have you seen baseball, travel baseball evolve? Yeah, so just the quantity of, of of volume is just incredible. You know, the amount of exposure at young ages, the amount of teams, you know, back in the day, only a select few players would play in the summer times. Now, 
everybody's playing in the summer times and, and you have some bigger organizations that kind of take the elite players still and try and create that old school environment. Um, but it's, I say the volume, which is good for the game of baseball. It's grown. A lot of people doing it. Um, the times work well for people, you know, on the West coast, we didn't play a lot in the summer cause it was hot. So we could play in the springs and the fall time were the best times, even in the winter. Um, obviously in the Midwest now we we're somewhat limited, but I would say that, you know, the game has evolved. The players in the Midwest, there used to be such a huge delineation between guys in the Midwest and guys on the coast, whether it be Florida, Texas, California, they're just so much more advanced defensively because they could be out all, outside all the time. And now that's evolved with training facilities and everything else. And the, and the, and the gap at the young ages, I still think there's a gap, the real young ages. Um, but by the time they're 13, 14 years old, I, I put kids in the Midwest up against anybody in the country. Yeah. For so sure. you said, so you said you moved from California to Indiana. I believe you said it was 11, 12, 2000 and, 2010, 2010. 2010. Okay. So 13 years ago now, what was that transition going from California to Indiana? Was there, was there still a big jump from Midwest baseball to California baseball at that point? Or what was a that? little bit of a jump? You know, my, you know, my son, my, I had one son that was really involved in baseball and you thought he was, I was taking him to an Island somewhere, you know, that he wasn't going to get to play, but um, it, you quickly learn like, kids are kids, players are players. And, and I think, I think it was still a step back at that time from at the younger age, 13 to call it, it was my son, um, but not, but not significant. And I think that gap in today's world is completely gone. Okay. I think it's completely gone. I, I, I really do. I, I think the players are so much more advanced. Um, I think, I do think that you get some toughness in the Midwest out of kids um, that you that you don't get in other parts of the country just because the weather's better in other parts of the country. They can kind of become a little fair weather. These kids are tough. They play in 35 degree weather, spring baseball. They're out there hacking. So I, I think there's something to be said for that. Yeah, I know. It's, I know. If, well, I mean, shoot. I mean, when I was playing high school ball, I mean, it was for first games in the last week of March. And it's, I mean, you have to wear like three jackets in between innings, make sure you're staying warm. Right. It's definitely, right. like you said, a little bit of a toughness there. Um, but for you coaching these past 25, 26 different years, what are maybe some of the biggest lessons you've learned or just with as a coach in general? So I would say that when I was younger, um, I was much more intense. Uh, I think this is just as you mature, right? And th things mattered more in moments that when you sit back and you become more mature, you realize that that moment isn't as important as is training or teaching a young person how we can be better instead of screaming and saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe you you punted that or did, didn't do something like that. So I think that I've probably, don't get me wrong, I'm still pretty intense. You know, Jay Hundley and I have big battles out there on the field, <laughs> to be the first to tell you, but, but, um, but, but, but the reality of it is I've learned to kind of step back and then kind of be more mature about the approach. Um, still have good intensity, still stay positive, but really focus on positive. I, I, I really would say that most people would say I try to bring a lot of positive energy to any type of game I'm involved in um, and stay away from the negative stuff. I, I think the game's hard enough as it is um, yeah. to, to make it that way. Yeah. So, so you move from, OK, so you move from California to Indiana there in 2010. How long is it till you are connected with five star baseball? Is it right away? Is so it no, no. So I actually came out when I when I was coaching a 2017 group, I coached the Indiana Prospects group. And at that grad level, 2017, there were three teams at that level and they were all delineated with this was one, two, three. I don't really know. I would say we were somewhere in the middle of those three groups. Um, but we had, I think, I think that graduating group that had like Freemian and my son was on that team. There were there were probably 12 uh, college baseball players in that group on our team. And then as a as a prospects organization overall, maybe like uh, 
maybe like 30. It was, a, it was a good class, a lot of good players in that class. And then um, I kind of took retired at, at that point in time. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to get out. 2017, I took all those kids through. It was great. They were all getting to college. I wanted to watch them play in college. Um, and then I got a call from Sean Bauer, who had a, a younger prospects group in 22. And they were making a move to this national brand called Five Star. And I had kind of known Andy a little bit through some connections, but not seriously. So quickly, we kind of sat down. They kind of tried to get me involved back in with a guy named Drew Kidd, who I coached with the prospects. So we took that group in, I think, 2020, which they were 22 graduates in 2020, and kind of built them over 2020 and 2021, 2022, because I kind of like to stay with that group um, as they go through uh, different models for different different organizations. But so I did. And uh, and then that's how we became a five-star group. And he said, you guys do your thing. You got, a, you got great coaching. You got great, um, great kids. You know, just basically let us run a, a, some autonomy, which was nice. And it was kind of all downhill from there. I mean, they, they as a national organization, they've been unbelievable. Andy Burris is just one of a kind guy, super, super individual. You can tell why he's successful and runs one of the biggest organizations in the country. Um, and uh, so we we were blessed. We basically kind of carried that forward to, to 22, took those kids. That was our first Jupiter group. Andy said, your team's really good. I'm going to give you this Jupiter bid. We're like psyched. Our kids got to do it. So we got to make that first run down there. Um, and that was awesome. Um, we wound up beating, you know, Jackson Holiday's team, which was a Scorpion Scout, Giant Scorpion Scout team. We beat them down there. It was our kids were super excited. We ended up losing the pool on a tiebreaker, which was a tough one to swallow. Um, we gave up a few too many runs to the dirt bags, but at the end, they went playing playing the championship against the Austin Stinger team. Um, so that was the first year. And then um, so that's kind of how it, it got involved. And at the time, Bobby Morris who I knew had run in the Great Lakes, uh, was the Chiefs at the time, Morris Chiefs, decided he wanted to be part of Five Star. So we started meeting and we had this good group of 22. He was just starting. He's building this hub up there. And I'm sure you get a chance to talk to him. It's, it's an awesome story. Bobby's just a genuine guy, great experience in you know, Major League Baseball and, and, and his brother. And so, so we basically started, I said, hey, I'm going to, this 22 group's going to be it for me. I don't want to continue on uh, with an organizational front, but I'll help you. I'll do recruiting. Uh, and I still want to do the fall baseball thing. So I love the fall. I love doing the Jupiter thing. So I said, I'll continue. We'll, we'll group this up. And that's kind of how it evolved into kind of a Great Lakes five-star thing where I'm helping with recruiting, not really coaching during the summer, but just coaching and recruiting during the summer, coaching in the fall. So Okay. So with that 2022 team, I kind of want to dig into that for a little bit. Like we talked about before we started yeah. recording, I know quite a few guys who are on that 22 team that you coached. Yeah. Um, yeah. so give us that rundown on that team. Maybe some guys that you were adding throughout the years. Cause I know guys like Reisdorf, I think he came on there just yeah. for 17 U. I think there were some other guys like that as yeah. well. Um, just yeah, give we us had, the rundown yeah. on that 22 team. Yeah, we, it was a good group. We had, uh, you had ADP. So that last, so we kind of kept getting better every year. Right. So we started and we had like Luke Bowers at Georgetown, Quinn's at Ball State, um, a lot at Purdue, um, that was kind of the core kids. And then it kind of just kept evolving. We had Brady Preston, who's actually quarterback at Butler. Um, there was just a good group of kids and families. And 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 Sean and Sean and and um and Rob Quinn had put that group together of great families. And we were just blessed to be able to kind of take them on and it just kind of grew. So every year we added a couple pieces. So I think in 17U, we added Cam Decker, who ended up being a pretty good player. Um, you know, uh, Braden, uh, Aiden, um, trying to think of who else 
Um, we ended up having, I think, 17 Division One commits on that on that group. Um, and then we had two drafts. We added a kid late in the fall named Sammy Hernandez, who's basically got traded from the, I think he's with the Cardinals now. Um, but both him and Decker were really good hitters on that team. Um, and it was fun. And we added that Dom Kaprinsky was a, was an Indiana state kid. Like we, that was a fun, that was a fun group. And, uh, it, it was fun battling with TI and those guys from that fall Jay's groups, you know, it was, it was good stuff for sure. No, but that sure. was a great, great group of kids. I, I, I still talk to all those kids consistently, go watch them play. Um, going to love them forever. Yeah, so. I'm sure. So after that 2022 season, you said you went on and joined, Bobby with five star. There's a collaboration there. So you're not coaching now in the summer, kind of take us through that role you have with Bobby, how it's maybe evolved these past two years and what exactly that's looking like right now. Yeah. So when, once I went through the 2017 group and then the 2022 group, you start to make a lot of connections with college guys and recruiting and we had placed a lot of kids. So um, I said, Bobby was kind of in transition, gr growing his dome, getting that facility built and kind of just needed a little bit of help in the recruiting side of things because he's so busy. And I said, you know, I'm pretty connected. Let me help. So we basically kind of collaborated that, hey, I would do that role a little bit and and then continue to do the, the, the fall thing. So I've basically just kind of helped with recruiting process, just had two kids, you know, the Carrera twins who were going to play for Coach Merce down there at IU. I uh, was involved with those guys and getting that done. And um, they're super excited. And, um, you know, Coach Mercer's just top of the shelf guy. Like, couldn't I, you, you could I, I got guys recruited all over the country. And I'm telling you, there's just not a better dude to play for than that guy. So mm -hmm. really, I mean, I mean, I mean, I've heard I've heard so many great things about that entire coaching staff, whether that's Mercer. Yeah. Simmons, yeah. um, Dustin, uh, man. the grad, yeah. grad assistant, what's his name? Yeah. Uh, shoot. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't I remember. Don't, but I, I, I mean, I've heard guys who, guys who, guys who end up committing to other schools. They talk about how their favorite coaching staff was Mercer Simmons. I hear so many great yeah. things. Yeah. But, yeah. It's um, good, good dudes. <laughs> but as you talk about college recruiting, I want you to kind of take yeah. us through throwing it back a little bit when you sure. start to play a little bit of role in different players recruiting, all the relationships you started to build and how that's evolved to where you're at the point now with having good relationships with college coaches. Take us through how this is all, you know, unraveled. Well, obviously it starts with good players, right? You have to have quality players that can play the game at that level. That's the first thing, right? The second thing is, is that you just have an open, honest dialogue with guys, and you basically don't miss too often. You try to avoid missing too often, right? So at the end of the day, for me to have credibility as a guy that picks up the phone and calls a Jeff Mercer and says, hey, I've got a guy for you, you have to be good enough, right? At the end of the day, because you can only do that so many times before all of a sudden Jerry Cowan's word doesn't mean as much to whomever that means. It could be Coach Goff at Purdue. It could be could be anybody. It could be Seth Bolts over at Notre Dame. Like there's a million different ways you have to be um, competent and you have to understand what they're looking for and then be able to um, articulate that your player can play there. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, working on Cam Sullivan's recruiting at Notre Dame, like, you know, Cam, Cam may be a pro. Um, we'll see. Um, but at the end of the day, like to be able to throw the slider at, at the level that he's able to throw that, like he's a division one arm and it doesn't matter if fastball ever gets higher than 92, right? He'll pitch at the highest levels he can pitch just because the slider is so good. So being able to articulate the game, understand the game at a higher level, um, playing at a little bit higher level. It doesn't mean that I know guys that coach that just played at high school baseball that have great understanding of baseball. It doesn't mean anything, but at the end of the day, being able to articulate that to college guys and having that relationship is super important. And I think you build trust and then thus that, that, that kind of feeds on itself. 
Yeah, sure. so sticking on the topic of recruiting, I know one big thing that's hit the, that's hit travel baseball, NCAA baseball this past year was that new rule that the NCAA put in. How do you kind of see in that affect travel baseball as a whole? Maybe affecting five star baseball as well. How do you maybe see yeah. that rule coming? I out? think I think I think in general it's good. Um, I I I think kids. I think in general we've started the recruiting process has gotten a little too young. Um, you have so many kids that will commit to a big school. And they'll have 25 kids that are going down there. Well, someone's got to run the math and know that 25 shortstops and arms aren't going to play at one place, right? So I think that they're they're doing it young. They aren't really sure, um, you know, hey, is that really where I want to be? It's a hard decision to make for an adult, let alone a you know 17-year-old, 16-year-old kid. Some kids even, you know, we, we, we'll talk about Mason Braun a little bit later potentially. But there, there's an example, like they're just, they're young and they just aren't sure. And so I think, pushing that back and letting them mature so that the colleges, when they make their decisions, they're more right than wrong. Cause again, there's a lot of crystal ball stuff that goes out here. Right. So, you know, you got kids, you're evaluating a kid at 15 years old, really like not sure where we know at that point. Yeah. He's really good, but does he become, does he stay at 85 miles an hour as a right-handed arm? He's six, four when he's 15, does he stay right there and now he can't pitch anywhere. Right. You know, because because he's he not even a division three arm at that point. Yeah. Time, right. So so that I think that happens. So I think it's good in general to push those time frames back. Make sure everybody's more more sure on both sides of the equation. And I think I think, again, the guys that do it right are going to continue to do it right. Um, and but it is a competitive race. These colleges, these I tell parents all the time, like college coaches get paid to win. Like if they don't win, they don't get paid. Like they absolutely support their family. So trust me, they're not, it's, it's an objective process for them. It's not really all that subjective. Like you, you either check the boxes of things that they're looking for that help them win or you don't. And so, and I, I'm not saying there aren't some bad coaches out there, but in general, they're all, they're all pretty good at what they do. Um, and so, you know, you, you've got to, you got to align yourself. I always tell kids all the time, like, okay, you're, you're 5'10", 145 pounds, and you want to go to Notre Dame. Well, show me a guy on the roster that looks like you, right? You have to be real expectations with where you're at as a player and where you are physically. Um, I, I'm not that big of a guy. I don't think that I could play Division One baseball with my skill set. I was a tough kid, but I don't know that I would play it at the level that these kids have to play at now from a size and strength standpoint. Um, it's different. And uh, the game has evolved that way to where the metrics are just completely different um, yeah. than they were 30 years ago. Yeah, so. I mean, talk, you talking about you know how young these guys are when they were committing. I mean, shoot, there was a couple twenty twenty sevens that were committing there before that deadline, and it's just crazy to think like, shoot, I mean, they've got five. What is it? Not five, four years before they're you know touching a college right. campus and they're already deciding. Um, I was right. kind of expecting something, didn't realize it would be that soon because I think there was what some ramblings going on for maybe a month, and all of a sudden, you know, the NCAA put that smackdown, put that deadline, but. Um, kind of yeah. digging in my next segment. I kind of dig into Cub Scout team. You know, the reason that we got connected, uh, kind of take us through. Obviously, you already took us through how you got connected with Bobby, but take us through how Chris plays into the mix and where this yeah. idea for the Cub Scout team came about. Yeah. So so we at had had our had our bid to Jupiter and we were trying to figure out the landscape of, of, of baseball within the Midwest. And we knew being competitive guys, we want to take it to the next level. And for us, what was the next level was affiliating with a major league club. And so we're like, if, if we do that, then 
me being in the game in a part-time role relative to recruiting players, I, I promised my wife as we've gotten older and closer to retirement that uh, the summers we'd spend at our lake house and I didn't, wasn't going to be at Grand Park every weekend recruiting players. So, you know, what, what are things that help with that process? Well, affiliating with the Chicago Cubs is pretty helpful. So we had put out feelers to several organizations and, and a few of them uh, kind of started talking to us. Hey, this, this makes some sense for us. Um, but the one that was the best fit was, you know, so but Bobby knew Justin Stone, who's um, the director of, of, of hitting for the Cubs. And Justin is the owner of Elite Training Baseball up there in, in Chicago. Chris Tierney runs all the, the, the um, travel ball organizations uh, there. And so we started a dialogue maybe about four months ago, kind of going back and forth. And obviously, anytime you're getting involved with a major league organization, there's red tape and things that they have to go through processes. They want to vet the people that are involved on some level. Um, so it was kind of we had to kind of go through that that process, um, but then decided that, hey, this is great. That, you know, the Cubs can get their name on a scout team for their for their guys. Um, and scouts, uh, we get to utilize the bid that we have through Andy, who's so generous to us, um, to, to allow us to use that that bid down in Jupiter. And then we get to put together a super fall team with, you know, draftable oriented guys um, to go and compete in the fall and then and then see where they land from a draft perspective, mm -hmm. which is it's, it's 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 the pinnacle of of what we do in amateur baseball. So it's you know, how do you complain? Right. Yeah, of course. So, you know, everyone always talks about that Jupiter tournament there in the fall and you talk about how, you know, everyone's it's invite only. You have to get a bid for it. I know there are quite a few teams down there in Jupiter. So take us through the meaning of getting a bid, how exactly you go about that. And, you know, is it is, is there certain is there a certain amount of bids per region? What exactly does that look like? It's a crystal ball, my friend. I have no idea. I can't speak to it exactly. What I can tell you is some combination of um, organization. Um, uh, some spend with 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 a perfect game on some level, I'm sure. Um, and and then and then they're really trying to find down to the best of the best. Um, how are you know, there there are there are people that you see they hey, the, the pirates want to get a bid. Like it's not so easy. Like it doesn't work like that. You can even some people try to buy their way into it. You can't do that. So it is a it is a collective, you know, a small group of elite travel organizations and teams have been going down there for years and you have to continue to do well. You go down there and get your head kicked in every year. You're not going to continue to get that bid. So we, we've been fortunate with Five Star because we're a national brand to be able to have multiple bids to go down there. So we'll end up probably having three or four bids this year down there. So you'll have our, our black national group um, that will be down there. You'll have this five-star performance guys out of Texas will be down there, uh, will be down there, and there may be one more. Um, but um, it is a tough thing to get. And when you get them, you, you really want to hold on to them and you really want to perform when you go down there so that you can continue to get it. Mm -hmm. um, so be but it, but it is incredible. Like I tell people all the time, whatever amount of recruiting you've ever seen, WWBA, Lake Point, Grand Park on a great weekend, um, take that times 10 on steroids. When you get down to Jupiter, there's golf cart haven everywhere. And because you have not only the college guys that are still hunting um, and that's become a, a thing, um, but you have all the pro guys down there. So it's just it's just a, 
uh, a bastion of baseball. It's incredible. It's fun. It's fun to be a part of it. It's fun to see it. I mean, I can remember we were on the main field. We were playing that giant scorpion scout team and they had probably $30 million of payroll on the other side of that. We're in their <laughs> battle. And I got this, you know, I got, I got, I got you know, Robinson who's going to Butler pitches a heck of a game. I get the Pluto kid come in and throws at 94. He was going to John A. Logan to play for soup. And all of a sudden he's got offers from Houston, Arizona, everyone he was going to U of A, but the, it's just incredible. You know, it's incredible. The environment's incredible. It's super fun. Best of the best. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be more excited about it. I'm sure, you know, I was talking to some guys after last fall in, in Jupiter and they were talking about how you're looking around, there's golf cart after golf cart, just, you know, yeah. pro scout, college coaches, all this and that, and just how incredible that experience is. But, you know, beyond Jupiter, I know that's not the only tournament you guys are playing in this fall. Yeah. Take us yeah. through the rundown on, you know, maybe playing TI, playing the Red yeah. Sox team, whatever. Yeah. Take us through the rest of the plan for the fall. Yeah, so we've got – so we're going uh, week one. We're at Valparaiso University on the ninth. We're playing a doubleheader against the Sparks. Um, Cangelosi will have a, ha, has a bid down there and is always a good team. So we'll play them on the ninth at Valpo. Then we're traveling up on the 10th. We'll stay in Chicago, travel up on the 10th and play Triton College. So we're going to play them up there and with something new. We're, we, we're kind of, kind of, I think as years go on, probably play more colleges, but um, so we're going to do that. That's the first weekend. Then the next weekend we're at the Grand Park Fall State Championships which is going on consecutive with the Puma Classic, the Juco thing. So that's always really good from a recruiting standpoint. Um, and because this year they kind of fall state championships and the Colonels, PG Colonels, kind of are on top of each other. We had to kind of choose. So we decided to stay closer to home for most of our kids. So we, we stayed here. Um, and then the next weekend, and there's some really good teams in that. I think TI's in that. Um, I Maybe the Reds will be in that. Uh, the hitters, RJ will bring the group down. That'll be really good. So you get the fall stars um, in there. So you'll have a lot of really good teams. I'm not sure what Jay's, Jay's going to bring his underclass guys over. I'm not sure what he's going to do there. Cause I know it's a lot. I've got a lot of the 24s that were with him or are, are, are on the Cubs team, but um, so We'll uh, we'll see, but it, that'll be great. Then the next weekend we go up to the Rock in Wisconsin and we play in their Fall State Championships, and that's got a, a collection of kind of the same teams. Um, and then that final weekend is kind of a round robin uh, plan to play basically TI. I think Chicago Scout Association, maybe the Sparks. I can't remember if the Reds are in there or not. But that that will just Jupiter groups will play that final weekend before we go um, on that Wednesday and fly down to Florida. Okay. So, you know, as you mentioned that, you know, as the years go on, the plan is to maybe play a few more college teams there in the fall at this moment in time, when it comes to the Cub Scout team, what exactly is that plan overall? Like, is it just a fall thing? Is it going to, I know there's some scout teams that play in the summer as well at this yeah. moment in time. What is that plan? Yeah, it's just a fall thing. Um, we'll still, the, the, the organizations of elite will still have their teams in the summertime, uh, five-star great lakes nationals will have their team. So they'll, they'll still be that. This is basically just kind of a, a fall thing only. And just for those draftable oriented kids. Um, but you know, we're still putting out college. I'll have, I've, you know, within five stars organizations up in the great lakes, I'll have 15 to 20 college bound kids that won't make this roster. Um, same thing with Chris up at elite, he'll have tons of college, you know, bound players that just aren't draftable oriented guys. Um, so that's, I think our focus will be continue to, uh, move forward with just draft oriented guys. Um, 
as a rule of thumb. But um, again, we're, we, we try to keep opportunities open for, you know, I've got a couple uncommitted kids on this team um, that are really nice players that someone's going to get late that they didn't think they were going to get. So it should be good. You talk about draft oriented guys. So, you know, that probably makes up a, you know, a pretty absolutely loaded roster for this Cub Scout team. Obviously you guys have announced for was a probably 15, 16 guys so far. I'm sure there's some more guys to be announced here pretty soon, but, you know, kind of yeah. take us through how you went about and how Bobby, how Chris went about as well of getting some of these different players. Cause you've got, yeah. yeah. So, so kind of a collective, collective group effort. Um, so we had from last year's group, we had about five or six kids. We, and, and this is kind of what we're trying to do each year is take some young ones down so that they get the experience so that the next year they've been there, done that. They know what it's all about. Cause it's pretty, it's pretty overwhelming when you get down there. Like, you know, again, there's, you know, 60 golf carts and you're, you know, Cam Sullivan's a great example. He came down there last year. He threw against BPA. It was one of the best teams out of California in the tournament and he shut them down. We ended up unfortunately losing late. Um, but uh, you know, he was unbelievable. And so, you know, what's the expectation for him this year? Like a lot, because he was really good as a young guy. But so when we had like Oliver and 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 uh, and Inge and and um, just sorry, uh, Max Winders. So we had a bunch of those kids that got that experience young so that they're ready to do that. They, the, the next year, they're just that much more polished. So we'll do that again this year. You know, with I've got, I think we've got, I'm looking at the list, probably six or seven 25s on the group, um, but they're elite 25. So we'll, you know, we've got like the, the Braun kid, Carrera, um, and those kids that have been announced. I'm not going to announce them all right here because I want them to get their due. <laughs> but um, but they're, 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 they're guys that will contribute. Like we're not going to take them as 25s if they're not going to contribute. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, so yeah, so we'll try mostly 24s. I think this group has 20, I think 25 division one commits. Um, and, and then those that aren't, um, you know, are, are top level guys and in, in, including a kid like Braun who, you know, uh, committed pretty early and obviously has, you know, decided, Hey, he wants to, wants to start that process, but, but he's, he's a draft guy. I mean, he's, he's good. He's yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. So, so with all those draft guys, you know, you mentioned Mason Braun. I think Cole Decker is mm -hmm. one of those guys. You've mentioned yeah, yeah. Those other guys who are potential high school draft guys as well. What are the benefits yeah. for those types of guys going down to Jupiter with a team like this when it comes to their potential, you know, being drafted out of high school? Yeah, it's just it's just one more exposure. Look, the top the top draft guy, say Max Clark, right? Max didn't need to go down and play in Jupiter his senior year, call it, because um, he's already on everybody's board. Everybody knew who he was. What he can only do himself damage. He can't help himself, right? He's top two, three pick, right? One, maybe one, right? So he goes three, but you get the gist. So so, but for those guys that are kind of like, well, they're kind of on the Cam Decker, great example hit his way to, to the Dodgers, like down there, hit a couple big home runs, like did damage. Cole Decker's his younger brother, right? Like off the radar a little bit, maybe from a major league standpoint, but like it's got some lineage there, goes down there, does some damage and all of a sudden he's on people's boards. Um, so I think that, I think that the ability to get that exposure for guys that are not first round oriented guys um, is huge for those guys. Mm -hmm. Huge. And I think that's the advantage of it is being able to not only play in the fall with a group like the, you know, for our standpoint, we'll have several of the Cubs scouts um, within our dugout at times uh, in our games, just in the fall that aren't even in a part of Jupiter. So just getting that exposure and seeing guys. Um, and if they, you know, if the Cubs come to us and say, Hey, we want to add X, this guy to the roster or add him to the roster. Yeah. So they might have a catcher. They might have a catcher they want to look at or something like that. Hey, we want to want to give this guy some time.
So moving from the draft, the draft oriented guys to guys who at this point in time are uncommitted, how do you expect their recruiting processes to evolve, you know, going through this fall, playing in the PBR championship, playing up there in Wisconsin, playing in Jupiter? How do you see their whole recruiting process evolve after this fall? Well, I would say that the guys that we have that are uncommitted at this point in time, um, if they most of them probably have offers, and I'm pretty sure almost all of them do have offers right now, but um, they will have they will have lots of if they play well, they will have lots of choice. There won't be an environment that won't be more exposure for them than to play on the Cub Scout team um, with the best of the best players around this area and getting after it. And, and then them seeing college guys, seeing them in that environment and watching them compete in the environment and saying, all right, you know, again, we're going to play against colleges. So the reality of it is if they look at that environment and say, wow, this guy competes no problem without an issue like I would imagine that if they play, if those kids play well, uh, they will they will have uh, plenty of plenty of choices. Okay. All right. Well, I got one final question here for you before we end it off. So you know, beyond this fall, you guys go hopefully have a pretty dominant a pretty dominant fall down there in you know Jupiter in Wisconsin in you know the PBR championship as well. What is that vision going into the 2024 and beyond for you as a coach for this Cub Scout team for five star? Just kind of take us down, break us down what that vision is for the future. Yeah, I think we we're as you bring organizations with, you know, Justin and Chris and Bobby and myself and bringing them together and figuring it out. And and, you know, you do have to like check the egos at the door. Right. Because we're, we're all proud guys in this and we're all part of our organizations. But just being able to collaborate with this and be able to do it with such class oriented guys like those guys is super important. So I think we want to continue to grow this thing with both organizations, be able to have a platform for our elite players to play um, in that in that environment and then be able to continue to recruit some of the best draft oriented guys out of the Midwest. And um, and and just kind of trampling it year after year after year. And I do think that when you look at like the Red Scout team and and what Andy Stack has done there, they're they're pretty consistent. Like right, they get really good players every year, and they and they continue to provide a great value for those players. So I think being able to provide value is super important to me as I give back in in my life. And and that's that's the 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 number one driver is being able to provide value for players and families looking to see where they fit in those draft scenarios. Okay. So I lied. I got one more question that kind of popped Hold into on. my mind here before we get, before we ended off. So you talked earlier about how there's going to be Cub Scouts in your guys' dugouts there as you guys are going down to Jupiter. I know that's common when it comes to, you know, Canes baseball and the Mets scout team, the White Sox, you know, for every scout team, it's pretty common to have scouts there in the, in the dugout. Do you, is it common to see potentially like, let's say, a Cole Decker or Mason Braun goes off there in Jupiter, builds a good relationship with a scout. Is it common for like a player who played on a certain scout team to maybe get drafted by that team? Like, is that, is that pretty common at all? Or what does that look like? Um, I would say that it's, it happens, but I'd say more what happens is, is that there's talk, all those, that's the baseball community is very tight and small, really, when you get down to the real decision makers, whether it's at the collegiate level, the professional level, there's a lot of communication that goes on. And what will happen is, is that even like, let's say Cole Decker goes down there and just tears it up. The Cole, the, the, the Cubs guys may be on it. But so will the Pirates guys and the Royals guys and whoever. They're, they're all going to be talking and, hey, draft stocks moved up. Hey, what do you think about that kid? There's a lot of conversations that go, go into, the, in, into those uh, decisions. But I think, I think it happens some percentage of the time. But because there's, you know, 
so many major league teams and you're only handling one within your world, you know, the percentages are maybe higher than one in 30, whatever, but they're, you know, they're not, they're not 25%. So. Yeah. Cause I remember I was talking to some Canes guys about that, how their the Mets scouts are always in their dugout. And does that give like the Mets an upper hand on some of their guys or stuff like that? I was talking to them and uh, you know, right after I interviewed one of the Canes guys, one of their, uh, one of their guys got traded from the Astros to the Mets. And it was kind of like a weird uh, concept to see him play for the Mets scout team. And now, you know, in that Mets organization, but you know, just, you know, that final, I, you know, question that came to mind, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely there. There's definitely, it's all positive. It, it definitely helps all the exposure helps. Um, but, uh, but, but I think, and I think it really helps again, back to the point earlier as the kids that are, on the fringe, late draft guys, those guys getting an opportunity to play in front of those guys consistently to get evaluated um, is super helpful. That hey, we kind of we kind of got one here that no one really knew about, like really like that. So, and again, there's several kids. I would say we probably have six or six six or so kids that 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 are real draft oriented contenders at this point in time. I think our goal back to the goals and to make, that we'll get to where we have 12, 15, 20 of those kids that are really draft oriented kids going into uh, going into the Jupiter fall season. Yeah. Okay. So one more question again. So I've, li I've lied twice, um, <laughs> but um, so with all these draft oriented guys, are you working at all with draft advisors? I know you mentioned before that we started recording, there was one guy you've been talking to back and forth, but you know, what's that relationship you have with draft advisors, MLB agents? What's that looking like for you? Well, for us, it's evolving, right? So we just keep growing every year, right? So, you know, we we, we started at the five-star, you know, thing, and now we're the Cubs. So now the exposure becomes even bigger, and we're starting to develop the relationships. So um, the, those relationships will continue. And I imagine that this year will be more than ever. And then the next year will be more. It's kind of like you build the college repertoire. And I tell people all the time, like, I hear a lot of people talk about recruiting, college recruiting. I'm, I'm going to side note here for just a second. College recruiting, and the reality, I know this guy, I know that, what I always tell everybody in, in the college recruiting scenario for parents this is a great advice for all parents. Like when someone tells you that they are connected and they know people and they know this thing, have them hand, have them hand you your phone. Here's my phone. Here's all the contacts, right? That's the true test, right? Who do you really know, right? At the end of the day, who do you really know? And so I would say that I would say on the pro side of things, I'm a baby, I'm an infant. We're getting to know that space, but being competitive and doing what we do, we'll get in that space pretty quickly and we'll be pretty good at it. And we'll talk to young advisors all the time and we'll help um, is, for example, when Cam Decker, his dad was his advisor. Right. So in that particular case, but, um, you know, we'll we'll continue to have dialogue with these guys. We'll continue to talk about players. They're bringing us players now, which is kind of cool. Um, and we'll continue to develop those relationships. But what's really important is that we make the right relationships and that we don't miss or give people bad information um, during the process. That's what we don't want to do. So um, we'll continue to, to learn and to, to become better at it. And uh, I, I think we'll I think we'll do that. Okay. Well, awesome. You know, I'm pretty excited to see how you guys are playing this fall. Hopefully I get a chance to go down there to uh grand park. So you guys play, I'm hoping to make it down to Jupiter. Like I said, on that phone call earlier, I'm hoping to go down with the team, you know, potentially get to see you guys play some other teams. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, we'd love, we'd love to have you be, be a part. And uh, if you, uh, if you're going to be down there, we, we'd love you to, to hang out a little bit. And I know the guys would be excited to see you become, uh, being quite the to do with the young lads for sure. 
Yeah. So. Well, I, I appreciate it. And you know, I interview Bobby and Chris tomorrow. So I'll be learning awesome. more about this Cub Scout team this week. Um, got Indy, uh, Indiana Fall Stars going on this week as well. So I'm um, pretty pumped for that. And again, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for, you know, connecting me with all you different guys with, you know, Bobby, Chris, with Dalton as well. I'm just excited yeah. to be learning more about, you know, what you guys got going on. Excited to see what you guys do this fall. And you know, again, awesome. just thanks for coming on the show. All good. Keep spreading the word about Indiana baseball and Midwest baseball. It's good stuff.